At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. This morning on Mother's Day, we're going to, to talk about something really significant and exciting to me today. And as we do that, I want to begin back at the very, very beginning. I want to talk about the time that we know of as the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning. And in the beginning, it says, God was, but everything else wasn't. God already was in the time that we know of as the beginning, and nothing else existed. And God systematically began to speak into existence everything that we know. He spoke and the the sun, the moon, and the stars were created. He, He spoke and the land was formed and separated from the water. He he spoke and plants grew. He spoke and all of the animals that we know began running about the earth, and all of the fish that we know began swimming about the waters. God spoke. And the world was created. And as that was happening, there's a consistent refrain in the Genesis 1 creation account. After God created everything, every movement of creation, what did God say or what is said about that moment? It is what? It is good. It is good. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. It is good. He created the the dry land. It is good. He created the animals. It is good. The plants. It is good. But there is one point in the creation process where God actually says it is not good. Do you remember what that event was? What what moment that was? Well, the moment where God said that something is not good was the moment where there was humanity on the earth in Adam, but there was no Eve. That's right. When only dude existed on the earth, God said it is not good good. And in that moment, God created Eve. And after God created Eve, you know what he says? It is very good. Genesis 1.31. And to that, every man in the room can give a hearty amen, right? Amen. It is very good when God created men and women. And, and the reason why it's very good is because God created men and women in a complementary way. He created us differently, but he created us of the same essence and substance and gave us the same purpose. God says of men and women that he created both of us in the image of God. He says of both men and women that he gave us a purpose to fill the earth, to rule over it, and to subdue it. God gave those tasks and that purpose to both men and women. And and he draws attention that it was given to both men and women in the creation account, and that he highlights, and God created them, male and female, in his image, Genesis 1, 27. Now, I'm guessing that when God created every other animal that he created a male and a female dog. Why do I think that God didn't just create a male dog? Because there's more than one dog on the earth, right? So we understand that God created male and female other animals, but when God created humanity, he calls it out for all of its brilliance and all of its glory. He says, I created male and female, God says, in my image. He created us in complementary ways, but he created us for a shared purpose. 
When we think about that as it relates to biology, we see the complementary physical characteristics of men and women made to work together so that the species might be populated around the earth. If you just have men or you just have women, that's not possible. But in a complementary way, God created us physically to populate the earth. But also in a complementary way, God created us different in, in his image, but differently in order to share the purpose of not just filling the planet with bodies, but filling the planet with worshipers who give glory to God. God gave men and women a task to share together, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, that people would understand their chief end of giving glory to God and following their creator. God gave that purpose and that task to both of us. Now, when we talk about the, the role of, of gender inside of the church, and we talk about it in a complimentary way, we often want to highlight inside of the church circles the differences between men and women. And it's understandable why that would happen, because the Bible does highlight some of those differences in, in some different, different ways. And we live in a world that is confused often as it relates to gender. Um, and, and while would, even as a church, we affirm what the Bible teaches about the differences between men and women, and our elders recently updated a paper we wrote back in 2008. It's found on our website under our belief section that, that talks about our understanding of what the Scripture teaches about the differences between men and women as they serve inside of the economy of the church. But, but today, on Mother's Day, I don't want us to spend our time talking about how we're created differently to complement one another, but today, I want us to talk about the purpose that men and women share together and the opportunity that, specifically, the women in our midst have to have an influence for Jesus Christ, both home and away, both inside of the family where they live, but, but also inside of the world where they are planted. God has given an opportunity for them to be an influencer for Christ. And we're going to see that today, home and away, in two movements as we look at a number of verses inside of God's Word together. So as we get ready to look at God's Word, here's what I want you to do. Guys, I want you to look at a woman who's sitting near you. And I want you to tell her you have an opportunity to influence others for Jesus. So just, just do that. Can you do that? By the way, that, that is uh, just a setup to get my son to tell my wife that on Mother's Day. So Josh, high five. All right, so here, here's the thing. So today we're going to talk about the opportunity that women have to influence others for Christ home and away. The first thing I want us to see is the opportunity to influence for Christ that women have inside of the home. Now, the passage of Scripture I want us to look at to begin to understand this dynamic is Titus chapter 2. In Titus, uh, Paul writes a letter to his friend Titus, and he's giving some instruction for ministry inside of the church, but he, he says something specific here to women in Titus 2, verses 3 to 5. Paul writes and says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Now, it's helpful for us to see what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say that women only can have an influence in their home. We'll see that in the rest of our time. But he, but he says here that women have a special opportunity to influence those in their home for Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity to influence their, their kids, an opportunity to influence their spouse for Christ. And they have a unique opportunity for that at, as they live out their lives inside of the family where God has 
planted them. Now, when we think about that kind of a remodel, it makes me think about home remodels. And we live in 2019, and so home remodels are all the rage, right? One of the claim to fames of my family is that my sister graduated high school with Reed Drummond. That's right, the pioneer woman. I mean, there's a whole industry, right, of, of people who, who follow folks who give you tips and hints about how to remodel the physical structure of your house. I mean, Chip and Joanna, all right? We, we have, we're familiar with this concept. The whole TV network's designed to give us ideas on remodeling the physical structure of our houses. And, you know, many of, of us have done projects like that in our house, and, and that's, that's, a, that's not a bad thing. But, but here's one thing that I think is interesting. When I look inside of God's word, what I see is an, an encouragement that God is remodeling homes as well, but not the physical structure as much as the people who live inside of it. See, God has a desire to remodel your family in the image of Christ. And one of the ways that God will accomplish that remodel project is by his spirit working through the, the women in your home in a special way in an exciting way. And it happens really as, as women invest inside of the different relational spheres that they have inside of the home. Three different relational spheres that we might see. One of those relational spheres that we might think about is the relationship of a, of a, a child to their mother, a daughter to their mother. And the opportunity that, that women have to influence their parents for Christ. Ephesians chapter 6 reiterates an Old Testament commandment In New Testament language, when it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. There's an opportunity inside of the home for a child to obey their parents in a way that that gives honor and glory to God. And so when I say that, there are many of you who are in this room right now who are a, a high school student, a middle school student, a college student. You're you're someone who is still living under your parents' roof. You're an elementary age or even a a preschooler who's here today who had a a friend that was dedicated on stage or a brother or sister, and you're here. If you're here today, just know that one of the applications that you have, if you're a child, and speaking here specifically to the young women, you have the opportunity to give glory to God and have an influence for Christ by obeying your parents. But it doesn't stop there. Honoring your father and your mother is not just a commandment that that has an expiration date when you turn 18, but it's something that goes a lifetime where even if your mother has, has passed away, you can honor her by honoring the family name as you follow Christ today with your life, or, or if your, your parent is, is aging, helping to care for them in their old age. In all of those instances, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to invest in your parents as kids. And as you do so, God is glorified and there's opportunity for ministry inside of the family. A second sphere, though, that we might think about is not just from a a child to a parent, but from a parent to a child. Now, we, we see this idea come clear to us in passages like 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. In this section, Paul writes now not to Titus, but to his friend Timothy. And Timothy is a leader in the early church. And this is what he says to him. He says, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Where did Timothy's faith come from? Where did he learn about Jesus? 
Where did he begin to follow God? It, it happened not in the school. It happened not in the synagogue. It happened in the home with his mother or his grandmother and the influence that they had. I mean, one of the, the things that we cannot deny as we look at life as well as Scripture is we see the opportunity for women to have an influence on the children who are in their home, whether it's your, your child or your grandchild. Certainly, men, this applies to us as well, but, but thinking of the opportunity that God has given to women specifically today, it's an opportunity for us to have an influence for Christ in the home. Eunice and Lois examples of this. A third sphere, though, that we might see is the sphere of relationship inside the home from the wife to the husband. First Peter chapter 3 makes this clear as Peter writes to believers in the first century, and he says, "'Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and your pure conduct.'" It's interesting that Peter here calls out the opportunity that women have to help lead their husbands to faith. That, that, that lets us know that in the first century church, specifically to those who Peter is writing, there probably were more women followers of Christ than men. They, they trusted Christ early, and, and Peter understood that there would be an opportunity of redemption where these women who followed Christ first might share the love of Jesus with their husbands and see their lives changed as well. You know, I think of the experience here at Wildwood being here for nearly 20 years now. I've seen several stories where this has happened, where a believing wife has led an unbelieving husband to faith in Christ. It's consistent with what we see in 1 Peter chapter 3. It's the opportunity that, that women have to be an influence for Christ inside of the home. And this morning on this Mother's Day, we, we need to look at this. And, and remember, friends, this is not talking just about the opportunity to, to, to make something pretty inside of the house or, or to, to be, gain some kind of self-image over having the title of mom. But we're here talking about the opportunity to influence people for eternity inside of your house by encouraging them to follow Christ. That's an opportunity that is available to women today. Now, what are some applications of these principles as we think about that? Well, one of the applications we might think about is for, for women specifically to embrace the opportunity that, that, that God has given you, to embrace the opportunity for influence within your home that God has given you. Think about Andy Stanley who, who said this to, to parents, both dads and moms, but here applying this for moms, he says this, he says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Who doesn't want to be a part of their greatest opportunity? God has given a special opportunity to invest in others. I think about even me, me personally, you know, uh, my opportunity to be a pastor at Wildwood is a responsibility I share with a number of different people on our staff right now. And not only do I share it with people on the staff right now, but historically I will share that opportunity with many. I mean, Bruce was here forever. I gave him a hard time in the last service. Uh, he was senior pastor here at Wildwood for 35, 36 years. But when, it, when I think about the opportunity that, that I have, that this, this role as a pastor is a role that, that will be shared with several people. But the role of dad to my son, Josh, 
is a role that I don't share with anyone. That's a special responsibility and opportunity that God has given to me. If you're a parent today, God has given you a special opportunity to invest in your your children. I think about my wife and the way that she invests in the opportunity to disciple our son, and I'm so thankful for that. I just would encourage you to consider the opportunity and embrace it that God has placed before you with your kids or with your grandkids. Second application we might think about for for women is to, to make a plan and to do it. To make a plan and to do it. You know, sometimes we get paralyzed with an opportunity, don't we? We think, well, I really want to have a significant impact in the life of my, my, my son or my daughter or my grandson or my granddaughter. I really want to do that, but I want it to be the right thing. I want to have the perfect book, the right Bible study, the right prayer time. I want to get it all figured out. I want to get, and we get paralyzed by the op- options, and we think that there might be a perfect option out there, and it prevents us from ever doing anything. But I want to just encourage you today that if you are, feel God stirring within your soul to embrace the opportunity and invest in your family, pick something and do it. Pray at bedtime. Read, read the Bible together at some point during the day. Have, have a spiritual conversation on the way home from church about what your kids learned in children's ministry or in student ministry. But just take a step, make a plan, think about what it would be and then, and then do it. A third application that we might think about for, for women is to encourage one another, encourage one another. You know, one of the things that Wildwood is blessed with is a number of outstanding ministries for women. Uh, Bible studies on Thursday morning, a, a ministry called The Well for, for Young Moms that exists seasonally in the fall and in the spring, and, and even some opportunities for Bible study for women in the evenings this summer. And I think about those opportunities as places where women can get together and encourage one another that what they're doing is important, significant, and matters. So one of the things that we think about for for women is just to encourage one another inside of the church for the calling that God has on your life. Those are some applications for women. But what about for men? In light of these principles, what are some applications for men today? Well, the, the first application I would encourage for men is to receive the gift of the women in your life. Understand that, that they are a blessing that God has given to you because, frankly, guys, let's be honest, we need help, right? If, a world with just dudes, not good. We need the women that God has placed around us, and we need to understand their, their, their place and their presence as, as gifts. I, I'll share a story. Um, I, I may have shared this before with you, but um, when I was first married and I was in seminary, I remember... Every time we, a situation would happen in our family, and my wife let out with a, a spiritual observation or insight, something as revolutionary as, can we pray about that? Or why don't we pray about that? I remember in those early days, I would get so frustrated in that moment. Why? I mean, I'm just being honest with you all. Why would I get frustrated? Because I was like, I should have been the one to say, let's pray. Why is it that... She got there before I did. Rather than seeing what God was doing through my wife as a gift to our family, receiving it, thanking God for it, and praying together, even letting her lead out on that prayer. Instead, I felt the need to to grab a hold because of pride inside of me. Guys, don't do that. Don't do that. God has given a gift 
in your family, of your wife, if you're married, of your mom. Understand that, that gift and that blessing. Receive it with joy. Second thing that I would say to guys is to love sacrificially. Love in a sacrificial way. You know the picture of the way that God instructs men to relate to their wives, husbands, or to relate to their wives is the picture of Jesus and the sacrifice that he gave for the church? God doesn't say to husbands, hey, I'm giving you a prominent leadership role in your family, so make the most of it and have her really serve you. It's not what it says. It says, husbands, I've given you a role, and that role is for you to lay down your life for your spouse, that you might see her in brilliant white, being all that God created her to be. Friends, people who take New Testament teaching or take the Bible and use it as a rationale for some kind of abuse have not read their Bible. Because the pattern in the picture of the relationship between men and women is one of love and respect and edification, not one of domination. Third application I'd say for men is to also make a plan and do it. Yeah, same thing to women. I mean, you're hearing this, guys, you want to have an influence in your family. It might be someone you raise and not something you do. You understand those things. What are you going to do with that? How are you going to invest in your family? What are the opportunities that the Lord has placed before you in a unique way today? Friends, each and every one of us has an opportunity to influence people for Christ in our home. But praise God, the opportunities are not limited there. We also have an opportunity to have an influence for Christ away from our home. This is true for men, but friends, this is also true for women. And we see this inside of the scriptures. The first thing that I want to just acknowledge with this, when I talk about home and away, I realize I'm using a a sports analogy, you know, teams play home games and away games and and all of those kinds of things. But when I think about this this situation of, of, of home and away, and I think about it as it relates to the Christian life, there are certainly environments that feel more friendly than others. But as it relates to our connection to the God of the universe, you realize that every day we live on this planet, we're kind of playing an away game. You know, our, our ultimate home is in heaven. Our ultimate citizenship is in the family of God, not in an earthly family. And so every day that we live on this earth, we basically are playing an away game. But praise God, as it's an away game, it's also a home game because God is present with us. So we, we have that going for us as well. But as we think about the opportunities that that women have to have an influence for Christ outside of the home, um, away, I want to just think about a few different things. The first thing I want us to think about is the testimony that God has given to the world through women. The testimony about Jesus that God gave to the world through women. And I I want us to talk, first of all, about what is the most significant event that has ever taken place on the planet? What is it? The most important event that ever happened, what is it? The crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, I realize that's two events, and you're like, wait a minute, you're trying to squeeze two in. They happen within three days. We'll we'll call them one event, right? So the event of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus is the most significant event that has ever happened. I mean, all of history hinges on that moment. Our eternity hinges on the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And who is it 
that gave us a firsthand account of those two events? Well, friends, it was largely the women. See, during Jesus' earthly ministry, he had a number of people who became his disciple, a number of people who began to follow him. Certainly there were the 12 disciples, but there were other men. But there were also women as well. There was Mary Magdalene and, and Joanna and a number of other women who were following Jesus and were a part of the, the crowd that followed him everywhere he went. And when Jesus goes to the cross, it's interesting to note that all of the men fled. With the exception of the, the apostle John, the rest of the guys took off. And who is it that was witness to the crucifixion of Jesus? John's gospel tells us were the women who were there. And then fast forward to the resurrection. Who is it that gave us the first testimony to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? It was the women. If you're with us a couple weeks ago at Easter, we we talked about how uh, these women... Um, Joanna and Mary Magdalene and others went out to the tomb in order to care for the body of, of Jesus on that very first Easter Sunday morning. And it was there that they found that he was risen and resurrected, and they were the first who were commissioned with the task to go and to tell others. I mean, think of what would have happened had the women not been there, the testimony that we would have missed. How long would it have taken the men to find out that the tomb was empty? We don't know. But they probably would have had to have taken by faith that it was empty on the third day, as Jesus said. The women went early, and they saw that it was empty and gave a testimony for all of history of both his crucifixion and his resurrection. The things that we would have missed in the New Testament were it not for the testimony of the women. Now, make it a little more personal. What things would you have missed were not for the testimony of women in your life? My my first understanding of who Jesus was was from a Sunday school teacher in East Cross United Methodist Church in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, who was a woman who poured into me in that way. My first understanding of that there was something called the Trinity happened at Vacation Bible School led by a woman who God used in my life. The testimony in your life and in my life that we might have missed were it not for the testimony of women is significant. Not only do we think about the testimony that they have, but also let's think about the ministry that women have inside of the early church. And there's a number of different things that we might mention. One of the things that we look at as as examples of women in ministry, we think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, See, Luke sets out to write his gospel account, and it says that Luke, not being from the Middle East, not having met Jesus in his earthly life, wanted to interview eyewitnesses to the account of what happened. And it's interesting that that Luke, as he shares the story of Jesus's life, talks a lot about events that only Mary would have known about. Things like the birth of Jesus, the announcement that she was going to be pregnant and give birth to a child. The shepherds that came and acknowledged the birth of Jesus and all of those things, they all came from someone and the most likely person to share that eyewitness account with Luke who included it in the gospel was Mary herself. If, If God had not placed Mary in that spot and sustained her life and given her a voice, 
our nativity sets in our home at Christmas would be much smaller. We just wouldn't have known about some of the things that happened. And yet God, through Mary, gave us that testimony. Not only do we see that with Mary, but we also see that with Priscilla. Priscilla was a a prominent person inside of the first century church. Paul mentions her on a number of different occasions. One of his most referenced colleagues in ministry was this person named Priscilla. Together with her husband Aquila had a, had a ministry that was extensive inside of the first century church. I want us to, to think about a little bit one of those opportunities that they had in Acts chapter 18 where it says, beginning in verse 24, it says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. And he was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures, and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when, listen to the order of this, Priscilla and Aquila, the wife and the husband, heard him, They took him aside and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him, and on and on and on. God used Priscilla and her husband Aquila to help train the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And that's no insignificant place. Our letter to the Ephesians was sent to that church. God used Priscilla in that way. Not only do we see that with Priscilla, but we also see in in Romans chapter 16, Phoebe, who is described as a deaconess, a servant of the Lord, a leader inside of the early church. When Paul lists his colleagues in Romans chapter 16, he references 29 names of people that he's partnering with in ministry. Ten of those were women who were serving inside of the first century church. Not only do we see this with with Mary and Priscilla and with Phoebe, but we also see involvement of women influencing people away for Christ in the life of Lydia. Lydia lived in the city of Philippi. She was the first convert on the European continent inside of uh, what God was doing in in the growth of the early church. Uh, Acts chapter 16 verse 40 indicates that the, 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 the church in Philippi met in her home. When Paul's released from prison, he goes to Lydia's house and gathers with the followers of Christ there. See, in all of these instances, we see women involved in ministry in the first century. And you know what? This should not come as a surprise to us. It shouldn't come as a surprise to us because we think about what God has done for us in Christ is he has given of his spiritual inheritance and of the riches of his Holy Spirit He gives to both men and women equally. Paul writes to his friends in Galatia in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, and he says this to them. He says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What Paul was saying there was not that we lose our masculinity or not that we lose even our complementary roles together, but what he's saying is he says that God is going to freely give of his spirit equally to both men and women. And if God has has given to women his Holy Spirit to reside within him, we should not be surprised when we see the effects of that in ministry and influence for others, because God never gives us gifts for us to cling to them ourselves. He always gives them to us so that we might be a blessing to others. 
We've seen evidence of that gift that God has given in many different ways. We see it in areas of our personal experience. I know I think about my life, I think about the ways that God has used Kimberly in in my life and in my family's life. I think about the way that he's used my sister. I think about the way that he he has used a number of women in my life in different ways, people that we get the opportunity to work with and partner with in ministry here and other places. But I just am so thankful in my personal experience for the way that I see the Spirit of God working through women around me. And I know that many of you could give an amen to that as well. We also see it inside of our church. You know, one of the things I think about is what, what, if, what if Thanos' snap really worked, right? And what if, if, if at, at a snap, 50% of, of, of all of us went away? And what if all of the women went away if there was a snap? Yeah, I know, that's okay. Yeah, right, it's not good. Because here's the thing. Think of how much, how much less ministry would actually be accomplished if the women were not a part of Wildwood. I mean, I think about every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, every single Thursday, all throughout the week, ministries of outreach, ministries of development edification, how God is using women inside of and connected to Wildwood Community Church. We are just so extremely thankful. But not only do we see that in our personal experience and in our church, but also we, we experience this on the mission field. As we see missionaries that Wildwood has sponsored and sent out as a part of teams that are doing amazing works for God around the world in places like Bosnia and the Middle East and in East Asia and Nicaragua and, and all of these locations where God is using women in prominent ways on the mission field. And, and again, that, that doesn't surprise us. Because the Spirit of God resides within them. He's equipped them and set them apart for ministry. And we get to celebrate what God is doing in and through their lives. So when we think about all of that, a couple of applications for us today. The first of the applications that I might think about is this. To to all of the, this is really to everybody, but I want to give a special charge here to the women in the group. Use your gift for his purpose. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 says that each of us have received a gift from God in the Holy Spirit, and we are challenged to use that to serve others as good stewards of God's varied grace. For every woman here, God has equipped you in Christ to use the gifts that he has given you to be a blessing and to influence others for him home and away. What does it look like for you to take a step into that and involvement in, in meeting the needs and ministering to others inside of a small group or inside of one of our different ministries here at Wildwood, connecting even with VBS that's coming up in this summer, just the opportunity that God has to work through you in ministry. But a second application that I want to challenge us with is this. It's an application for all of us just to give glory to God. Give glory to God. When we see and feel and experience and are the recipients of the way God is going to work through women around us, that that we would not respond with a first thought of gender, but we would respond with a first thought of giving glory to God because it's not because of gender that God works, it's because of God that God works. And we can give praise and honor and glory to him as he works in his ministry in the church, in the world, and in the home. Now, as we conclude our service today, I want to do something that's maybe a little different than what we do a lot of times, Uh, but I want to take a chance just to pray a prayer of commissioning 
over the women who are here today. And so if you're comfortable with this, okay, if you're not, it's okay. There's not a spiritual, non-spiritual thing, but if you're comfortable with this and you're a woman today, would you just stand up? And as they're standing, I, you know, guys, you might just find someone you can kind of look in their direction. Um, and I, I want us to take a second, and I want us to just pray for God to work through them. Father, thank you so much for each of these women that you have placed inside of our church family. Thank you for how you have equipped them to have an influence for Christ, home and away. And we pray, Father, uh, so thankful that, that regardless of our, of our life situation and status, whether we're married or single or, or widowed or whatever, whatever our situation, Father, we, we know that there is an opportunity for influence because we are a part of the household of God. And so, Father, we pray today that you would just work through these women to have an influence for Christ everywhere they go. We're so thankful for them, and we pray your special blessing on them today. And we give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.